Thank you very much, Dr. Jacobs, and uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, and I just wanted to, before introducing my colleague, um, Honorable Clark, just to say thank you very much to everybody I've been serving on this committee with uh, for the past two and a half years. It's truly been incredible. And um, I know that the work ahead of you is um, immense, but I have no doubt that all of you will be able to pass legislation that the country needs and that we can all be proud of. So thank you for all your work and um, for having contributed to my knowledge of parliamentary systems. I will miss you all so very much, uh, but I'm pretty sure we will meet in the Houses of Parliament um, and in other um, parliamentary engagements. Um, and uh, just to also bring the members up to speed, um, Michelle Clark will be replacing me in the committee. Um, the team remains the same. Honorable Wilson is still very much part of the committee and Honorable Ishmael is also still part of the committee. So there's also incredible sort of um, continuity. Um, and I have no doubt that all of you will, um, will receive Honorable Clark um, and uh, onboard her as much as possible. So thank you very much, Chair, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, say a few words before I bow out. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Kakhobe. Yes, we do see you in the house, but you are, you sit so far away from us. When we look again, you're gone. So I hope you'll take some time out to, uh, to hopefully greet. Let's greet one another. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Honorable Clark, you're very welcome to our portfolio committee. Um, you're probably aware of who the members of this portfolio committee are. Uh, we'd like to see your face, though, and we'd love to hear just a few short words from you. Um, I'm hoping that you are here. I'm sure you would be. If you can maybe switch on your camera and maybe just uh, introduce yourself to us. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I'm so sorry that I am in a vehicle. I'm five minutes away from my home. My flight only landed about 15 minutes ago. So um, um, just excuse that. It, it would normally not happen. Um, just to say to you that I'm looking really forward to working with the committee. I've done a lot of reading up during the December holidays around issues, you know, to do with the committee. And um, I think you, you seem to be a really great team that collaborates with each other. And I look forward to um, following in big footsteps of my previous um, predecessor, uh, uh, Member Horube, and um, look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Before we even go further than that, honorable members, we'd like to have a look at our attendance register. Honorable uh, Ms. Machalamba, can you tell us who's in, attend in attendance and also whether we have any apologies this morning? Good morning and thank you, Chair. Present is Dr. Jacobs, Mr. Munyai, Ms. Kela, Mr. Sokacha, Dr. Harvard, Ms. Clark, Ms. Wilson, Ms. Ishmael, Ms. Chirwa, Mam Sengwa, Mr. Van Staden. I've received apologies 
from Dr. Tembe Kwayo and Mr. Imam Sheikh. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, our PLO, uh, Joe Hatla, if you can indicate who is present from the ministry and from the department. Mr. Hatla, if uh, you're not able to, let me welcome our Deputy Minister, Dr. Sibongbiseni Lomo, to the Portfolio Committee uh, meeting this morning. Um, Dr. Lomo, you're very welcome to just say your word. My, my, oh, sorry, Chair. Your connection is not so good. Just try again, uh, Mr. Hutler. Yes, yeah, sorry, so, sorry. Uh... Honorable Chair, um, yes, my name is Joe Hatlam, the PLO, and um, uh, the Deputy Minister has, has, has locked in as well, but we, we do have uh, senior management, some senior management from the department as, as, as well to listen in the meeting. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, Deputy Minister, it is a new year. Maybe you'd want to wish us all a happy new year. Can you please? Maybe just uh, show yourself and say a word or two. Uh, no, thank you very much. I have been introduced, Chairperson. Thank you uh, just to be part of you, to listen on the deliberations and the congratulations to Ms. Kwahube uh, on her new deployment. And uh, thank you very much. I'll just be part of listening. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Honourable members, we had planned on resuming the NHI public hearings on the 18th of January. We were not able to do so for various reasons, but fortunately we are now back on the 25th of January. The in we have about 34 oral presentations to still listen to. We are hoping to complete these by the second week of February understanding that we have members training next week. Um, we were actually hoping as the committee secretary and myself to have completed this by end of next week. But let us also be mindful that there are challenges in uh, getting hold of those who had made uh, submissions and had given indications that they wanted to do oral presentations. So it is not always uh, easy for the committee secretary to get hold of these uh, people who want to do the presentations. And so we were hoping to have at least six to seven presentations a day. We are, as you can see today, down to four because there was a, a postponement requested for. And we had indicated that we will allow that postponement to those who were requesting that postponement. So for today, we will be having, and I think I mentioned it already, we'll be having Bonitas, Discovery, Paul Med, and Med Scheme in that order. And um, I wish all of us good luck and good hard work as we continue to complete this work that is set before us. And let us please just do our best, uh, honorable members, to endeavor to complete this work not later than the second week of February. 
So, honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that, that this is a virtual meeting, which is deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and therefore constitutes a meeting of a committee of the National Assembly for official purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual cities, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been sent to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the microphones are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of the screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise points of order. The Secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. And when using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. We shall now continue with the business of the day. Honorable members, when possible, please switch on your cameras also when you wish to say anything. Um, I just want to ask Ms. Majalamba, is this being broadcast, this uh, committee meeting, Ms. Majalamba? So, uh, honorable members, let us assume that it will be even at a later date. If you'd please then switch on your cameras when you wish to raise anything in this meeting. We will now go over to the presenters of uh, Ms. Majalamba, are the presenters of uh, Bonitas here? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. We'll go directly to the work that's set before us. Can the leader of the presenters uh, for Bonitas please indicate him or herself and then also introduce her or, he, or his team? Thank you. Good morning, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, good morning to the members of Parliament. Uh, my name is Lee Kalakoppen. I am the Principal Officer of Bonitas Medical Fund. Joining me today uh, is also our chairman of our board, uh, Mr. Opa Komane. Uh, I'm also supported by my management team at scheme level. That is our CFO, Mr. Luke Hoodhouse, our clinical specialist and head of operations, Dr. Morgan Kachwa, and our governance specialist, uh, Ms. Matilda Murray. Uh, Honorable Chair, on this note, we wish to thank uh, the Portfolio Committee for affording us this opportunity to present to you. But before doing so, uh, may I also take this opportunity to wish you well for the year ahead. Uh, it is a mammoth task, as what you indicated, that you are faced with. And uh, we thank you for the diligent work that this committee has been doing in enabling a universal healthcare system for South Africa. Chair, without further ado, I would like to your permission to just share my screen and uh, if the Secretariat can advise 
if uh, it can be seen by all parties, and just to confirm that I'm audible enough. You are, thank you very much. And we can see your screen. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Chair, with your permission as well, I will just be turning off my um, video just to ensure that uh, it's clear enough. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. Chair, um, starting off and to the members of the committee, we felt it fitting to commence. Sorry about that. Uh, just to remind you, I have 45 minutes for this presentation, and then we will have a discussion of 45 minutes. Confirmed. Thank you, Chair. Uh, honorable members, just to start off with an overview of who Benita's Medical Fund is, uh, we are a duly registered medical scheme in terms of the Medical Schemes Act. Um, key for us within the, the private sector currently is to ensure to make, that we ensure to make quality healthcare more affordable and more accessible for all South Africans and not only necessarily for members participating, um, but our intent is to ensure that our, our mission extends broader than just the private healthcare. And for that reason, we thank you for allowing us to make that submit the submission. In terms of our profile chair, uh, we were established 39 years ago, and we have got a proven track record in terms of providing medical aid to members that has participated on our scheme. We are also very proud to advise that we are the second largest open medical scheme. And the reason why I'm sharing this pertinent point in terms of being the second largest medical scheme, although only a small proportion, covering a small proportion of the South African population, as you will note on the top left-hand side, we've also illustrated the type of claims that we process on a daily, annual, or even on an annual basis. And you may be asking, why am I sharing this? The reason why we're sharing is that we will be drawing during the submission, as what we have done in terms of our written submission to uh, the, the Health Portfolio Committee, that healthcare is a very complex ecosystem, as we all well aware. And I'm sure I'm speaking to the converted. But to, to embark on a mammoth task such as universal healthcare, it is quite important that we understand that it is two complex systems that comes together in terms of serving the primary end user or South Africans. And that is bringing health and, fin and finances together, which can unlock the very emotive experience. And to that end, the experiences that we have learned over the last 39 years is that we have to ensure that we put the member, the patient, or the end user in the center of all that we are doing in understanding it, and more so doing it in a responsible manner. And to that end, focusing on the top right-hand corner, you would see that I've also highlighted what we as Bonitas and through our Board of Trustees value greatly in terms of discharging our fiduciary duty and our responsibilities. It is that of solid and good corporate governance. And this will equally be applicable uh, if a successful system in the form of a universal healthcare is needed, that corporate governance becomes top of mind in all that is done. Um, just also a few other indicators before I step off and move into our submission. Uh, we're currently responsible for 333,141 principal members. That is the information that was available during our last publication of our financial results uh, at the end of 20, 
2020. However, I'm very pleased to say that even during the COVID pandemic, and based on how we have approached healthcare for our members and for South Africans, this number has now increased to 354,000 members, uh, which we are very proud in terms of being able to ensure that more South Africans have access to quality healthcare. Chair, moving on to specifically our submission on the bill. First of all, I wish to add that based on what we submit for consideration, it does not remove in any way the fact that we support the concept of universal healthcare or as has been tabled in the bill, NHI. Access to quality healthcare um, is quite important, uh, both for us as a medical scheme, but more so for South Africans at large and also individuals as intended to be covered under what is proposed in the draft bill and aligned to the intent of what has been set out in documents um, such as the World Health Organization, uh, it, its intent. We believe it's important in terms of the removal of inequality uh, in terms of the healthcare system and that more people should actually have access to quality healthcare. Chair, then focusing on the slide and just to emphasize the point that I've made, is that as Bonitas Medical Fund, we support the concept of universal healthcare as contained in our constitution in terms of section 27, which is the right to healthcare. We believe it's important for us to improve access to quality healthcare in South Africa and to enhance the quality of life of South Africans. We have heard many a times during the last couple of months uh, as we've been navigating and trying to overcome the pandemic uh, around the impact of the burden of disease on individuals. And we believe that by addressing it constructively and in a collaborative fashion between private sector and public sector, that we are able to ensure that we're addressing the socioeconomic imbalances and injustices and inequalities that existed from the past. Chair, to that point, in terms of the, um, the NHA bill uh, is only one aspect. Um, of achieving universal healthcare as we very well aware. And it's important that the bill makes provision that it also covers a broader and addresses the, the intent around achieving universal healthcare in a broader healthcare framework. So access to healthcare must be driven by two factors, funding as well as the quality of care. And to that point, uh, Chair, and, and what the committee will see, what our main purpose of our presentation is separate from what we have put in our written submissions, is that we believe that there's definitely a role Recording for, stopped. for private medical schemes in a NHI setup. Although the current bill only talks about a complementary role, we believe that by considering the submissions that will be made, is that there's a key role for both the private sector in collaboration with the public sector to work Recording towards in progress. achieving universal healthcare. To that point, another key aspect that we want to highlight out of our submission is we have noted from the draft bill that there's a key definitive date being set. We'd like to appeal to the parties responsible to direct that process, such as your own committee, um, to consider a more milestone approach that is needed to ensure that universal healthcare is achieved 
but more so that it is done in a milestone approach, that it is done in a transparent manner to build the trust capital of all South Africans in relation to what is intended to be achieved out of universal healthcare. Chair, just to share a little bit of anecdotal aspects of what we have experienced since the bill was tabled in the draft format, is a lot of our members started questioning, is there a need for a medical aid? Um, is there a need for them still to continue in light of NHI or universal healthcare? And to that end, the key aspect that is forthcoming and that is concerning for us is contained uh, by the fact that it places greater pressure on the private sector, uh, sorry, on the public sector as individuals in this uncertainty that is currently um, presented in the bill, which we will highlight, it needs to be addressed that those members uh, or individuals will move to the public sector and place a greater burden on their already strained resources. And for that reason, a collaborative approach uh, supported by a milestone and integrated way of measuring where the certain outcomes are being achieved is probably the most responsible manner in which we can approach NHI. Chair and committee members, moving on to our submission, uh, we've been we're very mindful that this committee will probably see hundreds of verbal submissions as well as uh, written submissions. We did not intend to duplicate and waste the committee's time from what we have put in our in our formal written submission in 2019, but rather just to extract and highlight some pertinent points that we believe and humbly appeal this committee to consider. Uh, as part of reviewing the draft bill. These are just the elements that I will be covering during uh, the presentation and our submission. And it is six elements that we specifically wish to highlight and appeal to the, the committee to consider. Um, a key aspect is the impact and the pressure on state resources and infrastructure. As I've mentioned, since the draft bill uh, was tabled and became public, more questions than answers has been raised, but more so we as a medical scheme face the risk of members exiting and depending on state resources and infrastructure. Uh, keeping in mind at that particular point in time, we weren't facing a, a pandemic and more so we have seen what a pandemic can have on the pressure or the infrastructure of both the public and the private sector. Language uh, is also an aspect which we've covered in our written submission. I will not be spending too much time in today's presentation on it, but we also appeal that certain language issues be considered. We also note that there will be potentially in the current format, should this bill just proceed in its current format, there will potentially be constitutional challenges or issues being raised. And we believe and, and allied to the point around taking a milestone approach uh, and applying our minds in terms of what universal healthcare is, that these can be overcome and that we, that we will not be hindered by constitutional challenges that will prolong access to universal healthcare where all South Africans can have access to more affordable and quality healthcare. A key aspect that we really intended to highlight today to the committee is the issue around corporate governance uh, around the NHI fund. I think it's a common cause that trust capital uh, of South Africans has deteriorated. Uh, 
uh, from, and this is my, my own personal opinion, but for us to, in terms of drive uh, a, a, a noble intent such as universal healthcare forward, is that we need to instill uh, good corporate governance that is transparent and that hold individuals accountable. The flow of funding from NHI fund to service providers is also a critical point of consideration. And I will highlight this in more detail in the coming slides, as well as the maintenance of the purchaser provider split through the national healthcare system. Chair, moving then on to the first point and to substantiate um, the importance in terms of why there should be a coexistence and a collaboration between private and public sector. As can be noted is that from the statistics and analysis that we perform is a large portion of South Africans is dependent on the state. These include people with disabilities, unemployed, armed forces, etc. Uh, only 28% uh, belong to a private medical scheme and have or have a health insurance policy. And this clearly illustrates the inequity that exists in terms of ensuring that all parties, all South Africans, should actually have a balance to it. However, it brings about the challenges that we know exist within our healthcare system. And that is that it places an immense amount of pressure on both systems to be able to give access to good quality healthcare. There's fewer health facilities in the private sector, and the location of these services needs to be aligned with all sectors. And as we know, staffing challenges is a key aspect. And since the tabling and wildest process unfold has created doubt in our healthcare workers in terms of their future and what it would mean. And for that reason, why it is important and we welcome this engagement that these aspects will be unpacked. One aspect that we did not cover into too much detail, but we would like to make a point of it, is that the bill needs to be supported by a comprehensive human resources strategy and plan to enable um, the access to universal healthcare. So the key take out from this particular uh, slide for us and which we uh, put forward to the, the Portfolio Committee for Consideration is that, that there needs to be consideration during this process around how medical schemes should exist along NHI to assist in terms of achieving uh, universal healthcare. Further to that, the other key aspect around this slide is that South Africans should be free to choose which funding system to support. A single payer system will place immense amount of pressure on one single entity of fund to be able to execute and implement against their mandate. And this links back to the earlier reason and rationale why we just pointed out how much transactional and cost activities goes along with managing healthcare. And that is just pertaining to a small fund such as Benitez Medical Fund. We believe to enable this coexistence that apart from the intent of rolling out and drafting a NHI bill, that healthcare reform is sorely needed to ensure that and specifically healthcare reform within the private sector is needed to ensure that this burden is not exacerbated on state resources. And to that end, moving to the next slide, is that we would humbly appeal to this committee to consider 
Um, and we recommend the implementation of the health market inquiry recommendations, specifically in the private sector. These reforms are needed specifically through enabling pricing standardization and quality. There is no doubt that the cost of healthcare in the private sector is astronomical. And yes, as much as medical aids and board of trustees through the assistance of the regulator has tried to ensure that it remains sustainable with approximately eight to nine million South Africans being covered and alleviating that burden of healthcare from the public sector. It is still too costly. And to that end, one of the key aspects and to make sure that more people have access to private healthcare, we believe that reforms as what has been recommended in the health market inquiry, such as pricing standardization and quality needs to be enacted on while we unpack this journey of universal healthcare in the NHI. We also believe that the development of base packages of services for medical schemes is needed. And this has also been spoken about in the bill, but it's not clearly clarified in terms of what those base packages will be, which we also can read into that it would be dependent on what resources is available to cover those benefits on an annual basis for members on the NHI or for citizens on the NHI, which creates a bit of uncertainty and doubt potentially in people's mind. Formulary, formulation of a supply side regulator is needed. And I think our learnings during the COVID pandemic has clearly indicated why this is important in terms of reducing the cost of healthcare. Case in point recently experiences what we've seen with the test of, of COVID tests, how costs can be addressed. So the formation of a supply side regulator is critical um, for the sustainability of medical schemes into the future but also allowing us to attract more South Africans into the private sector and alleviating that burden on the public sector, as I previously mentioned. Quality measurements in the private sector is also key uh, to ensure that we speak to the heart and the intent of a universal healthcare, which is access to quality healthcare. Chair, moving on from um, the component, talking about the pressure on the state resources and the importance of what the, pub, the private sector can, can enable um, in terms of universal healthcare. Uh, I would like to now move on and talk about the language used in the bill. We have not specifically referenced what the key issues are in our presentation and the recommendation, but this is contained in our written submission. So I did not want to rehash or repeat it, but just to highlight the key aspects is that we have found through our own analysis that the language used in the current uh, draft bill uh, impacts legal certainty and the rule of law. By way of example, the wording in section two is restrictions on the access to healthcare, which goes against the constitution by placing a restriction on access to healthcare on those who have the means to pay it. We're also very mindful in terms of that there's indication that healthcare providers will be contracted to the NHI fund, and they will have to go through an accreditation process. But we also know that not necessarily all um, providers will necessarily participate. Um, so to that point, uh, these are aspects that needs to be considered in the separation. 
of some of the wording being utilized in certain sections of the bill. The wording in terms of what we, what we do oppose is the notion that medical schemes can over, only over, uh, offer complementary cover as defined in section 33. Further to, to this, we propose that there needs to be amendments to the Medical Schemes Act and section 33, um, which is currently in conflict. And to that point, the rationale that coexistence between a medical scheme and uh, whatever the, the final framework will be for NHI, we believe that it can coexist and the bill needs to make provision uh, as such for the reasons mentioned to alleviate, alleviate the burden and strain that will be placed on the state if everybody had to belong just to one single fund and being administrated by one single payer. There's also some technical aspects uh, such as medical insurance schemes that is referenced, but those do not exist uh, in the South African context. And to that point, the demarcation rules in terms of long and short-term insurance uh, act were not taken into account based on our review and analysis of the current draft bill. Moving on to some of the aspects around constitutional matters. Um, to the committee members, I, I think key aspects that needs to be unpacked and considered in the current draft bill is the role of national government versus provincial and local government. Um, it is quite clear from our review and reading of the current bill that there is some conflict uh, between these roles not being clearly clarified. And these are aspects that needs to uh, be considered. As I've mentioned previously, the restriction to the right of access to healthcare for those that do have an ex uh, ability to, to fund and choose um, the access to care, uh, these needs to be considered. Um, strong, we utilize some strong wording such as infringement of right to healthcare practitioners to practice, but those are some of the thoughts currently in discussions and debate that happens in the market. Um, we also believe that the bill must create clear certainty, not at all create any doubt in terms of what universal healthcare should be and what it is not. Um, I spoke to the issue around potential openness of constitutional challenges, which should not be the intent or the objective, but to accelerate and ensure that we achieve universal healthcare for South, all South Africans and that we don't spend our time in arguing around these matters within courts. Chair, moving on to the corporate governance, which is, as I said in my opening, probably an area where we'd like to spend a bit more time on, and this is quite important. Uh, I think our learnings as medical schemes, as re uh, regulated by the Medical Schemes Act um, and oversight by the Council of Medical Schemes, we have learned that through good corporate governance, one could sustain uh, the medical scheme industry. But to do that, roles needs to be clearly clarified. And we are very proud and, and pleased that our, our current regulation enables good corporate governance and good oversight from those that is entrusted with those duties. We believe that the three roles uh, or the three committees that's been set in the bill is slightly unclear. Um, starting off with the stakeholder advisory committee, uh, we believe that the stakeholder advisory committee um, should actually be an active contributor uh, where individuals from the public 
are able to be part of such committee, but become empowered to be able to actually advise the other committees, such as the Benefit and Pricing Committee or, or the Benefits Advisory Committee. To that uh, specific point, we also believe that it's critically needed for the appointment of an advisory committee, uh, as I mentioned, that is actively participating and as empowered to do so. We also, from our assessment of what we have uh, read in the bill, the governance structures lacks uh, a degree of accountability. And to that point, we believe that duality in terms of oversight is needed rather than entrusting all the powers to the minister. Clear roles and responsibilities and accountability is needed, um, and fiduciary duties and accountability should be defined. And this speaks to my earlier point in terms of how medical schemes currently function, is that there's learnings that we can take out of how that has been defined in terms of good corporate governance and ensuring that board of trustees and those entrusted to run a medical scheme has clear duties and clear accountabilities, and that is managed with good oversight. We also believe the issue of collective bargaining in terms of Section 15F should be clearly defined, uh, keeping in mind that the same issue has also been highlighted from the health market inquiry. Uh, we believe that in our experience also of late in terms of what we have seen through managing the pandemic, COVID-19, synergies in terms of health information systems becomes critical in terms of being able to share and have access to, to information to make informed quality decisions. And to that point, the, we cannot place more onerous provisions on healthcare providers such as doctors to collect information and submit information. And to that end, we as, a med, as the private medical schemes industry already holds a lot of information. We believe that that is also another role why or other reason why medical schemes in collaboration with or the private sector in collaboration with the public sector can ensure that health information is drawn together to make informed decisions such as benefit designs, uh, benefit design, pricing, etc. Okay, moving on to the last part of our presentation, which specifically talks about the flow of funding. Um, it should, the, the key aspect from what we have observed in the bill, it should not be unlawful for people to purchase healthcare should they want or have the means to do so. Um, I have also noted from other presentations that's been done to this portfolio committee and also from our own analysis that all international concepts of universal healthcare actually makes provision for freedom of choice, where our current draft expressly states that it would be illegal uh, to purchase outside of the, the NHI. Medical schemes should be able to continue to act as a purchaser and payer of healthcare services. I think this is a critical component for the reasons advanced as, as well. Um, and that needs to be clarified uh, versus the current um, statements or wording that was utilized that talks about complementary, but we're not quite sure what it would mean. Further to that, we also don't understand what those benefits would entail 
So certain of this work still needs to be performed before we finalize it and set it out in, um, in, in the bill. As also mentioned, NHI should be phased in, uh, starting with cover for the more vulnerable population groups. And this speaks to the key point around taking a milestone approach rather than a definitive um, set date of 2026. Uh, Chair, the last point around it is around the funding of the NHI. And, our, and just to emphasize or clarify what our, our real key areas of concerns are, it is in section 49.2, small a, which indicates that part of the funding for NHI will be sourced from medical uh, aid tax credits. Um, that, in our humble opinion, if it becomes a funding mechanism, um, we are not opposed that it becomes, but it must be done in a responsible manner. But also wish to warn that the risk associated with it is that should a medical tax credit be immediately removed, is that you do have the risk of more people leaving the private sector uh, and becoming reliant on the public sector uh, for healthcare. And the reasons already being substantiated in term, terms of the impact that it can have on resources. Apart from section 49 to small a, there's also no clarity in terms of how the NHI bill will be funded. Um, and this is a key concern for most of our, our members, but I think for us as South Africans at large. And this needs to be clarified along with the benefit package. The bill also contains no information how it will be managed, the financial planning and budgets. And to that point, although it might not be contained in the bill and might be contained uh, in separate provisions, these are aspects that requires clarity uh, for us to be able to take universal healthcare and the NHI bill forward in a responsible manner. Chair, I thank you. Um, I trust I've saved some time to allow the committee to uh, field any questions or give any points of clarity on our submission. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Kola. Uh, how does one pronounce his name? Kola Koppen. Kola Koppen. Thank you, Chair. Kola Koppen. Thank you very much for the presentation. Are there any other members of your team who would want to say anything? Not. Honorable Munya, I noticed your hand raised on this platform. Is there something you want to raise or is it for a question which I've allocated you a number two? Or is it anything else? Thank you very much, Honorable Munya. This is a technical mistake, Chair. All right. Thank you, Honorable Munya. Honorable members, you've had the presentation and we are very grateful for having saved some time. I'm going to mention the names in the order which the questions in in the order in which they raise the hands and in the order in which they will raise their questions. The honourable members who had raised their hands on the WhatsApp platform. It will be Honorable Chirwa, Sukacha, Gela, Wilson, Tlengwa, Munyai, Siwela, and Ismail in that order. Any other member who still would want to raise a question, you can give me your name now and I will add you to that order. Uh, I'll cover for now, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Fans. Started. 
So I'm Remember going to clock, please, Jay. Clock would be number nine. So if you can please Thank note you. your order, and I'm going to read it again. It would be Chirwa, Sukacha, Gela, Wilson, Lengwa, Munyai, Siwela, Ismail, Clark, and then myself. Thank you, honorable members. You can raise your questions in that order. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and compliments to to all the honorable members and, and the staff and the people who will be presenting to us today. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, Chair, you know, I think a, a very pivotal takeaway for me in particular um, in relation to some of the points that were raised um, in the presentation is, is, is that, you know, the the presentation or, or, or the presenting of the NHI uh, as a system that will lead to a higher trust in the public health care system or in government is actually something that is untrue, noting even the growth of uh, this particular medical, medical aid scheme, even during a pandemic when people were losing jobs but they were still getting more subscriptions, even to a point of even uploading themselves on this portfolio committee, um, which is a great concern to me, particularly because the CMS released the two circulars to put an end um, to medical insurance, citing that the introduction of the NHI will then mean that there won't be a need for medical insurance, even though we have debated this and, and we've highlighted the illogical decision behind this and that it was in actual fact in bias of medical aid schemes. I think I'm, I'm more fervent on this position today more than I was um, in the previous year when we were engaging the CMS. My question now to, 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 to Bonitas is firstly, what was your subscription growth rate in the previous years? Um, you can give me like probably three, four years prior to the pandemic. <clears throat> and secondly, how has, how has, I'm sure you have this information, right? Because you're in that industry and you check the, the impact and stuff like that. But how has medical insurance impacted um, the subscription rate or members leaving the medical aid um, scheme over the years? Uh, and number three, with the growth of members in the previous year, can you please highlight which particular month saw the most subscriptions um, of new members to the scheme? And lastly, how many grievance cases from your members do you have and are aware of with the CMS? Um, and how many were resolved and how many were in your favor within the resolved cases? Thank you so much, Shepherdson. Thank you very much, Shepherdson. Um, Good morning to all the colleagues, um, and thank you very much for the presentation. Chair, just three questions from my side. The first question uh, from Bonitas. Um, chapter two, section eight uh, two, and other sections of the bill makes provision for the medical schemes and the role they are envisaged to play um, under the NHI. Now, if according to Bonitas, these provisions are inadequate, what then is being proposed by Bonitas as missing in the bill in its current form, particularly in as far as the role of medical schemes 
are concerned. And my second question, Chair, you hold a view that uh, multiple fund universal health coverage system will allow medical schemes to service a new market sector. How will this new market pay for their medical schemes cover? Here I refer to the poor who are relying on the public sector. Then my last question, Honorable Chairperson, you have mentioned a, a few reforms that are required in the private sector, but have left out corporate governance challenges in your industry. What lessons do you think the NHI fund can learn from your industry, particularly in addressing issues related to designated service provider contract, discrimination, conflict of interest, fraud, waste, and abuse of resources. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I hope I'm audible. Uh, Jefferson, I've got uh, only one question that I want to raise uh, to Bonitas. But firstly, let me welcome the presentation. Uh, my question, Jefferson, uh, in slide four, uh, there seems to be a view that the introduction of universal uh, healthcare coverage in South Africa is equivalent to an exercise of choosing a preferred healthcare funding system by the users. Can I please get a clarity on this statement? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson, and thank you to Mr. Kalakopin for the presentation. Um, I am actually quite looking forward to seeing the entire presentation or your entire submission, your entire written submission, um, which we do not yet have access to, but I thank you for the highlights that you have presented to us. Um, and I, I want to go on to a couple of the issues that you've raised, and one, of course, is the funding of quality health care. Now, in our understanding of national health insurance or universal health coverage, um, people should, any person, any South African, um, even foreigners who need uh, emergency care, should have access to um, health facilities already where they can go in and at free of charge can get a range of health services. Now, we know that this is a struggle um, on, on various levels. First of all, that most people don't have easy access to, to health facilities. Two, those health facilities um, are not maintained. The infrastructure is crumbling, that they are understaffed and underfunded and underbudgeted. So that, of course, is, is, is a, a big concern in this country because, in principle, we should have universal health coverage, um, and at this point is unattainable because of the current crumbling health situation. Um, 
And you are quite correct that this is now, if people start cancelling their medical aids, it is going to put um, extra pressure on an already crumbling system. But I want to deal with medical aids specifically. And given the situation in this country and probably the world over at the moment, there are huge struggles um, in, in terms of, of uh, poverty, uh, lack of resources, people who've lost jobs as a result of COVID. Um, so in principle, the majority are not earning at all or are earning a lot less than they did in previous years. And as far as medical aids are concerned, this is already a problem, particularly in the, on the grounds that lots of medical, medical aids are expensive. Um, you, you can give me as many examples as you like from your lowest coverage to your highest coverage, whatever your schemes are called. The fact remains is for people who are cash-strapped, medical aid is expensive. And in most cases, Despite the fact that they are paying for medical aid, they have limited access. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about many services have, have um, are not covered. They run out of day-to-day -day services or day-to-day -day money or savings or whatever you call it in, quite a, in, in, in a very short space of time. And then not only are they contributing to medical aid, they are then also having to pay for services over and above that once they have run out of, 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 of funds within that scheme. Or there is a shortfall. Um, and this is, creates a huge problem in terms of people wanting to be or willing to move over to the NHI system and cancel their medical aids. And I'd really like to know how you as a medical aid and the second one and the biggest one in the country is going to deal with issues like that. Because that does pose a problem for you and it poses a problem for the, the, the um, public health sector because those people are going to go over there in droves quite simply because they can't afford medical aid anymore. And there is no schemes to offer them good coverage at a very, very low price. Um, I'm bit, how will the NHS be funded um, and managed? Um, what are the costs of NHI? Well, you're pretty much in the in the dark as we are, um, despite numerous requests and, and some idea of what this is going to cost to unfold, both in the short term and in the medium term, and even in the long term, we are not aware of. Um, and this has not just been raised by you, it has been raised by just about every presenter that we've had in, throughout this entire process. But I am curious to know from you, so the, the role of the minister has been queried in every single presentation. He literally has the sole manager, the sole mandate to hire, fire, establish boards, um, overlook governance, overlook finance. You know, it, he is the be and the end all of the entire system. I would like to know from Benitez, how exactly would you how do you envision that that needs to change? Okay. How do you think boards should be established? Who should be responsible for them? Does Parliament oversee the budget? Does the Portfolio Committee oversee the budget and the costs? Um, while you've said that that is an issue, I already would really like to hear your recommendations on how that is closed. And we have had various recommendations from other presenters that obviously um, will have to be taken into consideration. And just to give an idea, uh, we, you talked about